you have your Bibles, grab that. If you're visiting, there's a black pew Bible on the rack in front of you, and the page number is in your order of worship this morning. We're going to dig into the Word of God together, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. I should mention, I failed to mention, we usually have, we didn't this morning because it's Scout Sunday, we usually have our children's sermon right about then. Uh, if all of our elementary school kids, I think most of them are already out, but if uh, you, we have any ele- elementary school kids left in the sanctuary, it's time for Children's Church, so you guys can go on out. I meant to announce that a second ago. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 12 and read down through the first verse of, um, of chapter 4. It says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. So we've been talking about uh, some of the centerpieces of our faith. And this morning, if you have your sermon outline, if you're visiting with us, there's a, a sermon outline in the in the a bulletin if you want to follow along as we go through this passage. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the, the idea um, that we are not only to have faith, but also to be sharing our faith and some of the struggles uh, that we deal with when it comes to doing that. So let's start with when it comes to sharing our faith. Um, let's look at verse 1. And, and notice there that it says at the end of verse 1 of chapter 4, it says at the end of that, we do not lose heart. And he says that, he gives us that encouragement, and he's told us we're going to unpack what it says before that in terms of how we don't lose heart, because there is a temptation as a Christian to, to get discouraged in this. We have, uh, if you're a Christian and you've had somebody that you're praying for for a while and they don't seem to show any interest in, in, in Jesus, they don't seem to show any interest in God, it can get discouraging. And so um, Paul here shares what comes before that to give us that encouragement that as we understand this, we can go forward and, and live in a way where we're not overwhelmed by discouragement that those that we love don't come to the Lord as quickly as we want. So what exactly are we to be doing? And then we're going to unpack what that looks like in terms of, of the rest of the passage. What are we to be doing? And the answer is to be bold. We are to be bold. Uh, as you look at verse 12, it says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So the idea there is that we are to have this boldness. Now, the first thing I need to say is boldness is not the same thing as rudeness. And and a lot of people classify um, when it comes to sharing their faith, they kind of think of the stereotypical person who um, you know is sharing their faith and they're just kind of a bully about it or they're rude about it, and and you just want to get as far away from that person as possible. 
But the, the Greek root of that word there, bold, it actually is two words. Um, the word for all and the word for speaking. And when you put those two together, the idea is not like going forward and being rude and, 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 and uh, making it to where people want to go away from you, but rather the word all there and the word speaking, as those two come together, the idea is that rather than having fear and not being willing to speak what's on our hearts, speaking all that's on our hearts, sometimes we kind of cower back and, and we, we don't share, we're concerned for somebody or we have, uh, we want to tell them about, you know, something God has done in our lives or we want to share something. And sometimes we do cower back in fear. And the idea here is not rudeness, but rather that we should not be people of fear, but instead that we should go forward boldly and believe that as we go forward boldly, that, um, that God is going to be with us in us sharing our faith. We're going to get into the spirit here in a few minutes and how important it is that we have the spirit on our side and that he is working with us. But as we think about what we are to do, the big idea that, that we're going to pack, unpack as we go through is that rather than being somebody who, okay, if, if, if I absolutely have to, I'm going to say that I believe in Jesus. Rather, we are to be people that go forward without fear and are willing when the opportunity presents itself to be willing to say that I believe in Jesus. Now, let's just clarify um, that even in a situation like where we're all here in church together, we should be willing to acknowledge when we do believe in Jesus that we do so with great hope and with great anticipation and with great belief. So let me just ask, if you believe in Jesus when we say amen, and so as we have that belief, we need to take that, you know, it's easy in a place like this and be willing to take it out in a situation where maybe there's nobody else around who believes in Jesus. Bill was talking earlier about uh, going back decades that there was a, a time when there was almost nobody in the mind that he was working in who believed in Jesus. And God began through just a few people who he, he worked in their hearts and they got saved and they began to have not rudeness, but they began to have boldness to share. And I think he said 200 people, 200 men in that mind got saved over the next few months as there was a, a movement of the Spirit. And so we need to move to where not just in church when we're surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ, but when we're out, that we are willing to be bold. Now, let's go through this passage and talk about what that looks like, because this is something, honestly, that a lot of us struggle with, and a lot of us are reluctant to, to step forward in that kind of a way. So what does it look like? Number one, let our glory shine. Let our glory shine. So as I was reading earlier, there may have been some confusion. This is a passage that kind of needs to be explained as we go down through. So let's look at verse 13 and, and, and talk about it a little bit. We need to understand the history here. So we have Moses um, going all the way back to the Old Testament. He goes up. He's in the presence of God. He gets the, the, the Ten Commandments. He talks to God for a long time. <coughs> And as he comes down the mountain, because he had been in the presence of God, there was a radiance to him. There was a radiance to him. And uh, this does not speak well for the Israelites, but as he comes down, he's been in the presence of God, there's a radiance to him. Instead of them saying, this is amazing, we, we want to see the radiance that you have, instead, what did they do? They were like, put, put a cloth over you or something. This is freaking us out. And as you look at verse 13, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. 
So they, in general, were freaked out by the fact that you know there was a radiance to him having come out of the presence of God. But there was another reason there, too. Not only were they generally freaked out, but as, as Moses got further and further away over the days and weeks that followed from being in the presence of God, it says there that the, it talks about the end of what was passing away. The radiance began to go away because he was no longer in the presence of God. So they both put it on initially, that veil, because it kind of freaked Israelite, the Israelites out. And then also, as it went forward, because that, that glory, that radiance that he got from being in the presence of God was slowly decreasing. That's important. It was slowly decreasing. Now, look down with me in, um, in verse 18, because we see something different there. It says, And we all, and now he's talking to us as New Testament believers, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Let's pause right there. So I, I'm not physically in the presence of God in the sense of He comes into this room, but as I am a Christian, I believe that I have received Jesus Christ into my life, I have the Holy Spirit in my heart, and therefore as I walk day by day with God the Holy Spirit within me, I am living day by day, this is important, in the presence of God. He, he is with me, and, and as I have the Holy Spirit walking there with me, as I have His presence with me, I am to be impacted by the fact that I have the presence of God with me every day. There are people who will say um, that Jesus Christ is, is the most important thing in their lives. That Jesus Christ, oh, I love Jesus. And then their life shows no difference for them having been in the presence of Christ. I can tell you this morning, my life, to pick a different example, my life is different because I have lived for 28 years now in the presence of Karen Butcher. For instance, this morning she is in Durham. She went down to visit her boy in Durham. And this morning, even though she is gone, when I got up and was getting ready to leave the house, even though I didn't want to, I made the bed this morning. Why? Now wait, there's a theological point here. Hang with me. Why did I do that? Because she has trained me well over the last 28 years. And I know that I'm going to be late this afternoon in the presence of Karen Butcher. And I want that to be a glorious and not a, a horrible meeting. And so the bed is made this morning. Can I get an amen for the bed being made? Thank you. I, I, feel, I, I feel I deserve that praise this morning. And so as you look at this, so... When we are in the presence of God, when I have the Holy Spirit within me on a regular basis, um, it's, He's going to make a difference. He, he's going to have an impact. And so notice verse 18. When we all with unveiled faces. So the idea there is Moses, when he came down, it, it, having been in the presence of God, freaked the Israelites out and that, that radiance was going away. And so he veiled his face. As I live my life as a believer in Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit within me, I am not to try to hide that. I'm not to say, uh, now, you know, I, I don't want anybody to know I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm just going to kind of keep it to myself. Just me and Jesus. No. I want... I want everybody to be able to see the difference that Jesus has made in my life. I want everybody to be able to see the difference that having the Holy Spirit within me has made in my life. And so I'm not trying to veil it, but I am to live my life 
with an unveiled face. When we all, verse 18, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We are in the presence of God. We think about how beautiful He is. We think about how awesome He is, how good He is, how great He is. Are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. What does that mean? It means, it doesn't happen overnight, but as I walk with God and as the Holy Spirit is within me, that over time, I am becoming less like the old sinful Jim Butcher and more like Jesus Christ. God does not come into our lives, we've talked about this many times, to save us, to take us to heaven someday, unchanged in the meantime, but He has come into our lives so that we can be made more like Jesus Christ now. More like Jesus Christ in this world. Why would you want that? Because Jesus is the most amazing human being who ever lived. And I want more of Him in my life. And so, I'm going to be, if I allow it with the Holy Spirit within me, I'm going to be transformed more and more into His image, and there's going to be ever-increasing glory. What does that mean? It means that as my life has more of the joy of Christ, more of the love of Christ, more of the peace of Christ, that I'm going to be somebody who reflects. I don't have it because I'm a great person, but I am a reflection, just like the moon is a reflection of the sun. If I am living the way that I should, my life is going to be a reflection of what God has done in my life. And so, um, if I go, easy example, if I go and there's somebody who's struggling and I show mercy to them, and, and I'm, I'm kind to them even though they don't deserve it, and they say, why are you that way? And my answer is, because God was kind to me and merciful to me when I didn't deserve it. And so, my mercy and kindness is just a reflection of what I've already received. And it says, with ever-increasing kind glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Reminding us that the Spirit, Holy Spirit, is part of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We do not refer to the Holy Spirit as it, but rather the Holy Spirit as He, because He is a being that is within us, and the Lord is within us, making us over time into beings who increasingly reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, the reason this is important is that we make a huge mistake when it comes to letting our glory shine, the point is, is that God has worked in me, and as He is working in me, His glory is reflected out into, out into the world. The mistake we make is this. So often when we come into church, we act like, okay, so I came to church, I became a church member, and now my job is to act like I have it all together. And my job is to act like I don't make any mistakes, and my life is perfect, and so I try to go forward and try to shine my glory. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. We need to, as we think back on what God has saved us out of and the life that we, we have been transformed from, as I go forward and, and my glory shines, when somebody is impacted by that, I don't say, you know, it's because I have it all together. But I say, listen, I used to have so much brokenness in my life. Let me tell you what God did for me. I used to have so much brokenness in my life. Let me tell you how the Holy Spirit has helped me. We shouldn't be hiding the brokenness that we used to have. But instead, we should say, as I was broken, God is slowly in the process of healing me. He's slowly in the process of transforming me so that it's not our glory in the sense of who I am that shines, 
but it is the glory of God reflected off of you. And that's so important because my ability to impact people for Jesus Christ is not in how great a person I am or was. Because I'm not. My ability to impact people for Jesus Christ is how great a difference God has made in me. Second thing. So, not only do we need to remember that our lives are to reflect the glory of God, and we need to live that way, the second thing is this. Don't get frustrated by their hard-heartedness. Don't get frustrated by their hard-heartedness. So, look at verses 14, 15, and 16. As we look there, let me just say this. A lot of times we get really, we struggle with, I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we have a brother or sister or a mom or a dad or a friend or a coworker, and like, you know, we have been bold and we've tried to share stories of what God has done in our lives or answered prayers, and they're just, there's just no interest in their part. And there seems to be no response. And what 14, 15, and 16 says is really helpful as an encouragement when we get discouraged by the fact that we don't seem to be getting through to them. 14 says, but their minds, and he's talking here about the Israelites, but I think what he says applies well to people today also. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. In other words, that veil that kind of obscured what was going on, he's saying that that veil is still there, not physically, but over their hearts, they seem to not be able to, to see what God is doing and to comprehend what He is up to. It has not been removed because, here it is, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's really important that we understand the order of what happens there because the, the frustration that comes, and I'll, maybe you guys have been there too, like, okay, so I've been a Christian for a long time now. I think Jesus is the most amazing thing in the world. He's transformed my life. I'm so thankful for Him. And so when you're in a situation where you share, you know, somebody's struggling in some way, and you're, you're like, you know, you need Jesus in your life because look at what He did for me, and they aren't interested, and you just want to say, why wouldn't anybody be interested in Jesus? I mean, he's awesome. Why wouldn't he be interested? And yet you talk to him, and there's just no, there's no response there. Or there doesn't seem to be any interest. And it's important to note here that the veil that is on their face, when is it taken away? It says at the end of verse 14, because only in Christ is it taken away. There is that time when they're still trying to figure out in their own understanding and, and they haven't allowed Christ to, to, to work in a way where because they're closed off to, to where they can see it the, the way that, that Christ wants to reveal it to them. And so as we, as we look at that, we need to understand that when we talk to somebody and there seems to be just this veil where we can't break through, we're not the first ones. And the answer there should not be, as we look at it, be like, oh, I guess I'm, I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't do a good job of sharing, or I guess I'm not very eloquent, or I guess, no, hopefully we did a good job sharing. What we need to pray is, Father, I know my eloquence isn't enough, and I know my witnessing isn't enough. Father, I, I pray that you would take the veil away. It's got to be Christ 
taking that veil away that they can see fully. And so we need to understand there that a lot of times when we do witness and there's there's no response, it's not anything unusual, um, but there is that hard heart. There's that veiled heart. It's a natural part of the way that many people are. And what we need to pray is, Christ, take that away so that they can see you fully. Um, and then believe that that's going to happen. The third thing is this. The third thing is this. We need to preach freedom, not burden. We need to preach freedom, not burden. Look with me at verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. We've been talking about this throughout. The Holy Spirit is so important to what is being said here. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. Um, We need to preach more of the freedom of Jesus Christ. What we read over in Romans chapter 8 is that in Christ we were slaves to sin and that in Christ we have been made free from that sin so that we are able to now live for God. And of course, it it takes time to be able to, to, to live that way the way that we should. But in Jesus Christ, there is freedom over sin. In Jesus Christ, there is freedom over bondage. And so we believe that and we need to, we need to preach not, well, listen, you need to become a Christian so, you know, you can, uh, come to church. Well, I'm in favor of coming to church and I think coming to church is a great thing. But we don't get saved so that we can come to church. We get saved so that we can be free from our sins. So that we can be free in Jesus Christ. And so we need to, especially to those that are going through a time of great struggle, we need to preach freedom. Going back to Luke chapter 4, when Jesus came on the scene and He was preaching to His hometown Nazareth and He pulled that passage out of Isaiah, He didn't say, I've come to lay you down with burdens, but He said, I've come to preach sight to those that are blind. I've come to preach release for the prisoners. I've come to preach good news for the poor. We are to preach good news in Jesus Christ. We are to preach freedom and the ability to overcome our sinful natures through what Jesus has done for us. Now, that all leads us, I'm almost out of time, to verse 1. And that's where I want to close this morning. In chapter 4 there, verse 1. And the last point I want to make is this. Why do we do all this? And the answer is because we received it by mercy. Because we received it by mercy. Look at verse 1. We talked about the second half of it. We do not lose heart. But the first half says, Therefore, let's pause. Therefore is always important. So all the point I've been making, Paul says in chapter 3, about the veiled faces and about all that that came with that and about the freedom of the Lord, he all brings it back to this. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have received this ministry, we do not lose heart. We talked about the new do not lose heart, but note the part before that. Since through God's mercy we have this ministry. We have the opportunity to go and share the good news, not so that the church can grow, or not so that I can say, well, you know, I've been able to witness the X number of people. We go and share that because I've said before, one of the best definitions of evangelism is this. Evangelism is just one starving person telling another starving person where to get bread. That's all it is. I was spiritually hungry. Um, My life had so many struggles in it. And I found Jesus Christ who satisfied my soul. And all evangelism is is going to somebody else and going, you look like you're spiritually hungry. Can I tell you where to go get a meal? That's all it is. And so we need to understand, we preach this 
because we have been given this ministry by mercy. We receive that mercy, and so we go and we share that as well. And so as we think about this this morning, we, we need to look into our own lives, and I don't know which of these points may have encouraged you this morning, but you know, as we think about whether it is that we, we have too much fear and we don't go forward with the, the boldness that we need to, or one of the other points that we've talked about, as we close, I want you to think about one person that you love, not everybody, but one person that you love who is not saved. And I've got my one person right now. Am I willing, when the opportunity presents itself, to allow God to use me in the way that we've talked about this morning, to be bold because I've received mercy, to do these things in the belief that if I allow Jesus Christ to use me, I might be a part of them understanding who Jesus is and receiving Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank You this morning that You give us the encouragement that this passage talks about. We all get a little cowardly sometimes. We all get a little backward sometimes. And I pray, Father, that, that we would have that boldness. That the discouragement that hits us sometimes, we would lay that aside. Father, that we would go forward wanting to share the good news because we have received the good news. Father, help us to be bold. I pray in Jesus' name.